Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Gabe Corciani from Fat Boys Pizza coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is a beverage consultant and the brand ambassador for a craft syrups company. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, Lyric Market, a food hall that is opening this fall downtown, has revealed its first nine vendors, including Sushi Muse, a sushi restaurant from Hiroki Odo, who holds a Michelin star at his New York City restaurant, Allenby Falafel and Hummus, a street food concept from the owners of Doris Metropolitan and Hamsa, Mexology, a modern Mexican restaurant from Ivy Stark, who works in New York City, and a bunch of others, a press waffle, a barbecue thing, a couple of food trucks that are making a, a go of it in a food hall. Uh, Linda, the, the, the thing about Lyric Market is it was first announced in 2018, and there really wasn't much in the food hall space back then. There was, there was the original conservatory, and that was kind of it. Since then, obviously, Bravery Chef Hall, Finn Hall, you know, Understory and Post Market, which, you know, has like 20 vendors and is a place that you and I have been to a few times and a place we've talked about on the show quite a bit. So I say all that to say to you, what do you think about Lyric Market and, you know, how, how is it going to how is it going to fit in with all these other food halls that are in very close proximity to it? I mean, it's in downtown, correct? It is. It's it's right in the heart of the theater district. Yeah, I just, you know, I don't know. I mean, I have a, I love the concept for Houston, but I just don't know that there's enough business for everyone. I just kind of, I feel like we always end up having to pay a premium because there's always like a, a 20 or 30% markup because of, how the way that these these businesses run so i don't know i mean i always want them to do well but every time i go down there you know even when i go to finn finn hall or even understory just like a kind of like a revolving door of concepts kind of flipping a little here and there and you know i think that the fact that we have this uptick in cost of goods you know i'm here for it 100% but is there enough business that is going to sustain these these businesses? So, well, I right. I mean, I think you know we're looking at at downtown. You know, in two years ago, in the height of the pandemic, no sports, no festivals, no juries, no office workers. Yeah, right. Downtown took a huge hit. Now all that stuff has come back in a, in a really big way, and there's new residential that's opened in that area or that's opening in that area. So, you know, I think some of that will sustain it. It's also, it's also, and I don't want to overemphasize this, but it's also in the building with like a several hundred parking spot garage right next to like Hobby Center and Jones Hall and all of that. So if nothing else, right, it strikes me that it would be a very convenient place to go for a meal before or after a performance. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd like to see, I'd like to see, you know, 
where they're going to pull their clientele from. I mean, you and I talk about this a lot. You and I talk a lot about like different concepts or what we like and so on and so forth. But ultimately, is there a community and is there a support for that bit for those businesses to sustain it? Right. I think one of the things that's been really successful about Post, whatever you think about the restaurants, and we've had some really outstanding meals at them, there's always something going on at Post, right? There's a concert, there's an event, there's the roof, there's there's all these things that draw people in, especially on the weekends. And and that's been very effective. Yeah. And so, you know, I think Lyric Market is interesting because it's going to kind of ride the wave of, of whatever's happening in the theater district. And of course, we're headed into in the prime time, right? Fall performances, the ballet is going to do the Nutcracker. There's always stuff going on at Hobby Center. So from that sense, I think that will draw people. And if they can lure some downtown office workers, you know, maybe from lunch, maybe for lunch from the tunnels, maybe as a happy hour thing, like I'd say it's got, it's got some potential. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I mean, I'm with you. And then does, does a chef holding a Michelin star uh, intrigue you about the sushi restaurant? No, I don't care. <laughs> uh i will say you know we went to hamsa a while back and the uh the falafel was one of the highlights of our our meal so you I'm- know what the minute you said that i'm like there isn't better falafel i mean look dm me message me smoke you know whatever like tell me where to find better falafel than hamsa it is so fantastic um, and the hummus is great too. So to build a restaurant around those two things and maybe some of the other stuff they're doing at Hamsa as a as a stand in a food hall. Yeah. That actually, of all of them, that might be the thing I'm most excited about. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm with you. Absolutely, 100%. All right. Anything else on this? No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Then let's move on to topic number two. Speaking of downtown, restaurateur Bill Floyd has opened Real Agave which I am describing as a Mexican concept devoted to agave-based cocktails and Mexican cuisine in 1100 Louisiana, which is an office building downtown where at the tunnel level, he has revived El Real, the Tex-Mex concept that he co-owned with chef Brian Caswell in Montrose. Obviously that closed in 2019. Bill and Brian went their separate ways. Bill now operates Portavino, the wine bar and restaurant, uh, I, I just was wondering what you what you had heard about Real Agave because our friend uh, Tina Marie is one of the bartenders there, and uh, she was uh, uh, the manager at, at Winnie's for a bit. So I figured we should give Tina Marie her shout out on this podcast, and and I would ask you if you had heard anything about this new downtown cocktail bar, knowing your interest in all things agave spirits. I haven't been there, and. I have looked at the menu, but I think it's interesting that we're seeing a little like uptick in agave. Well, look, I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Um, I don't. I don't know that Houstonians want to drink agave spirits neat, but you know, the margarita is the king of all cocktails. I don't care what anybody says. Fight me. I don't care. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I think that having someone like Tina Marie that's really like uplifting and and a true service professional, um, the fact that they have someone there that really understands service and cocktails, 
I mean, I'd really like to just see how the how the room how the room fills up. What does happy hour look like there? You know, what's the snack situation? Are we gonna have puffy tacos? Are we gonna have queso? Oh no, they're going. They're going Mexican. They're going aguachile, tiradito, tuna tostada. Yeah. They're going. They're going more Hugosy, not not Tex Mex. More Hugos. Well, I I want to see what that what that looks like. What's the lighting look like? Are they open late? You know what I mean. Right for right. So for right now, three to eight during the week with lunch to follow. Yeah, this is not like like in my dreams. This would be pastry war revived with with a real food program and a late night and a whole late night shindig. And it ain't that. This is more like an amenity for downtown office workers to have a cocktail or two before they go home. Yeah. Happy hour. Yeah. Well, all of those are key love languages for me. So I can't wait to see what they, they what they're, how the, how that space is going to fill up, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I also think that after you're in downtown all day and then you've got to like trek to wherever you are, I think that they need more options. And you know how many times you're going to go to Flying Saucer, you know, for happy hour? Well, and, and I'll say, I mean, I worked, you know, I worked downtown 20 years ago in round numbers, essentially. And it was a very different experience down there. It didn't have the residential, it was, it, but, but there wasn't a lot. And so, you know, I like to see this stuff develop. People are back in offices. You know, there's a lot going on business-wise in that immediate area. And what do we, we wound up at like Longhorn Cafe, you know, for a beer or, or uh, Cabo's, which is now where El Big Bad is. Yeah. So I, I'm pro anything that sort of livens this stuff up. You know, Bill Floyd is someone who's been highly successful. He's good at figuring out what people want, even before they know they want it. And so I, I kind of like this, even if it's not everything I personally would want it to be, that doesn't mean that it's not a great fit for where it is. Yeah. And I mean, and like, in all honesty, I don't think we're ever going to get a, another pastry war. You know, like we lived, we lived a great dream with pastry, pastry <laughs> war. Right. And you know what I mean? In all honesty, nobody cares about the nerd stuff anyways. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Let me move on to topic number three. Black Page Brewing is coming soon to the near north side. It features beers by former Abbott of Brewing brewer Heinrich Orlick and food by La Macro's Saul Obergon. Linda, it, it occurs to me that there is a lot of kind of brewery activity going on in Houston these days and new breweries, right? Just, just in the north side. There's Local Group, which recently rebranded as Gristworks. Uh, there's another brewery called Bad Astronaut that's coming to that area. Now we've got Black Page. Never mind St. Arnold. Never mind everything that's going on in the East End. Equal Parts, True Anomaly, Eighth Wonder, et cetera, et cetera. So given just what I've told you about Black Page, oh, and I, I should say the owner is, is one of the guys behind Trash Panda Drinking Club and Chivos. Chris Manriquez. So what do you think? I mean, is that enough for a brewery to stand out or are, are you kind of tuned out on, on all these new breweries that keep opening? You, you've already said it. I'm tuned out. I don't know. I, I don't think that, I don't think that it's not, a, it's, I don't think that it's not a bad idea. Um, I'm sure that what, whatever they end up making is going to be delicious, but where's it going to? And you know, why are you different than any, anyone else? 
I love La Macro. It's such a great taco truck. But like, do they do they ever stay anywhere? Saul, Saul's bounced around a bit over the years. It was a restaurant. It was a food truck. He's tried a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, consistently delicious. I, I will say, you know, he's doing like kind of a modern, like a German style sausage, but on a, in like a torta format or, or some of these other things that, you know, it's, it's, it's a little of both, which, which actually sounds pretty good. And I like Trash Panda and I like Chivo. So I'm predisposed to like this. And I like Abbott of Beers. So, you know, maybe I'll like this too. I, that's kind of where I'm at on this. Yeah, I mean, what you know, what what part of town is it on? What is it going to feel like? You know, yeah, like, it's near it's near White Oak. It's near White Oak Musical. Yeah, I think it'll do well. Look, that neighborhood needs more stuff. That neighborhood is, is expanding every time I go over there. Like, I just, I want more stuff for that neighborhood. So if it's going to give more options to people and and give a little bit more flavor to that part of town well then hell yeah all right and then topic number the rare the rare topic number four i have this down as linda's pop-up rant so i'm just going to clear out and uh, well let me say you and i have been going to to pop-ups essentially for as long as i've known you you know i remember when felipe riccio was you know before long before the days of of march and rosie cannonball you know, he was a bartender at Camerata with a, and a guy who liked to make Italian food. And he popped up at Polly's a couple of times. You know, I remember when Ronnie Killen introduced his, his barbecue with pop-ups at his steakhouse and lines that wrapped around the building. And, yeah. and you know, more recently, Trill Burgers, a Bostonani's uh, Bodega Bur Burger Bodega. We went to Totemo for the taco takeover with Alex Bremont. There's nothing new under the sun. Pop-ups have been a facet of the the culinary scene for a really long time. They continue to be a facet of the culinary scene. And I know you have some opinions. So now having set you up, I'm going to clear out and let you go. First off, pop-ups these days are not what they used to be. Like these new cats make people wait in line. Even after you've had plenty of time to, to prep and it still takes you an hour two hours to get to like 30 or 40 people y'all need to pick it up what in the shit why is there a seven hour line of anything did you not have enough time to like prep like or or like do you not know how to pick up quicker i don't i don't know i mean it's just you don't get any service at least with freaking you know killings you get some beers every once in a while i mean that's like the that's the thing at the barbecue pop-ups there's always some Lone Star on the line, you know, or whatever. Homeboy that's like no outside drinks, but you're not even selling any drinks. Get it together. You've got plenty of time. Let's go. Come on, pick it up. So I don't know. I mean, I really would have, I really wanted to go to Nick's pop up this week. But then I, and then I started to think, I'm like, do I want to wait three hours for something? You know, you and I have talked about it. Sometimes it's, it, it is a, a group experience where you get to hang out and like eat snacks in the line. And, you know, you got your, you know, maybe you have a line and, you know, all that other stuff. But like, I just feel like for the amount of money that we get in line for, there was a pop-up that it was 120 bucks, you know, or whatever, however, however much it was, 
but it's like, oh, you're going to make me tip 20, 25% for me to not get any service. It's like, bro, come on. I don't know. It's, I would like things to get a little, a little bit more streamlined. So I don't know. Well, you know, well, well, let me, let, let me just say, let me just say, when I go to a pop-up, I have a very low expectation for service, knowing that restaurant operations are a highly choreographed operation that benefit from practice, right? And so a, a one-off, you know, one night only, they've never worked together before. They don't think about like the number of touches on an individual dish and how long that's going to take to execute. And I, I understand how things can go awry. And, and I also remember many years ago attending a dinner that you worked where all of us left so hungry that that we all not only not only did we go out for pizza afterwards, you felt so bad as one of the people who made money at the dinner that you paid for the pizza. You you bought the first two pizzas. So and, and I no no names, like it, it was a long time ago. The chef doesn't work in Houston anymore. It doesn't matter. But so I have been I have been trained over the years to have low service expectations when I attend a pop-up. I'm really just going for deliciousness and I understand that it's probably going to be more money than I would prefer to spend, but, but then I'm going to learn something about the future of, of the dining scene. I'm going to get a sneak peek. And so that's why I do it. Right. And, and there's also the chance where like, just on that right night, you might be eating the best thing in the city. Right. Like when we went to Angie's pizza and it was like, Oh my God, I can't believe how fucking good this is. You know what I yeah. mean? Like we have nights like that too. And so that's why, you know, I, I crack open a pint of underground cream and I'm like, oh man, this is the best ice cream I've ever had. Right. That's what keeps me chasing the dragon. Yeah. I just, I just, I have a hard time when, when I really, when I really look at my credit card statement and I'm like, I paid $40 to split a couple of tacos and I had to wait three hours. And the only option was like, sparkling not even sparkling water it was tap water like ugh. no no i i understand uh in in just in the sake of accuracy it was it was 90 dollars for five tacos that you split and we waited for about an hour and a half which is better than the people who waited two plus hours when they were running low and got told they could only have one taco so you know it could have been it could have been worse bitch no ma'am <laughs> all right that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. Oh no! Oh no! Hell no, boy! Y'all ain't up and done it. Oh no! Hell no, boy! Y'all ain't up and done it. Oh no! Hell no, boy! Y'all ain't up and done it. Y'all ain't up and done it, man! Y'all ain't up and done it. This podcast is brought to you by Green Street. Located in the heart of downtown Houston, Green Street celebrates delicious cuisine, exciting entertainment, and live music, all in a vibrant urban setting. Green Street is the perfect spot for a dinner and drinks before or after a big game downtown. Grab a bite al fresco from on-site restaurants such as Guadalajara del Centro, The Palm, House of Blues, or MS Seafood Steaks and Oysters. Now, I'll have to say, I had the opportunity to visit The Palm which relocated to downtown last year. It's an exciting update to just a classic Houston steakhouse 
still with the prime steak, still with the giant lobsters, but in a refreshed and updated atmosphere. If you're not coming for dinner or after dinner, enjoy a drink and live entertainment from Pete's Dueling Piano Bar, or grab your friends and head to 810 Billiards and Bowling for a night of fun. Whatever the occasion, make Green Street your downtown destination of choice. Located at 1201 Fannin Street, go to greenstreetdowntown.com to see a full list of bars, restaurants, and entertainment destinations. That's greenstreetdowntown.com. Linda, for our restaurant of the week, I want to talk to you about Aya Sushi, a new restaurant in Bel Air. This is uh, in the Triangle, in the former Bernie's Burger Bus space. It comes to us from some of the people behind Kaoba, Saigon Kitchen, the Vietnamese restaurant in Montrose. They have partnered with Chef Yoshi Katsuyama, a veteran of places like Uchi, Aki, and Soto Sushi, to bring this to life. Linda, let me just turn it over to you. What did you, what did you think of Aya Sushi? They are firing on all cylinders. I really, really liked. Uh, I really liked the experience. Not only the experience that we were having. The dining room, the dining room felt fantastic. Talk a little bit about what you liked about the dining room. You know, a couple of things that, that I really care about is, is lighting and music. I don't want to hear everything that everyone else is going on. I'm having my own experience. So the fact that like the music was, was just loud enough to drown out a couple of things. And we were a little rowdy that night, you know, because we hadn't seen each other in a little bit. So you know, the fact that we could have like our own privacy, but more than anything, like just looking, looking across the, the dining room, we weren't, we were not just being treated as VIP because we were VIP. Everybody was getting the same style of service, water glasses filled, napkins being folded. I mean, our waiter has worked at some of the best sushi restaurants in, in Houston. He worked at MF, you know, the fact that Yoshi brought his own people is a lot to be said because I think nowadays when you open up a new restaurant, you're having to look for staff. And the fact that that he comes with staff that is that, that have worked with him and everyone's very professional, I really, I really enjoy that. Um, you can tell when there's a you know, the concept can be really good and the food can be really good, you know, everything, but like, but if the staff doesn't have what it takes to really give fantastic service and really understands the the pauses in a course lunch or dinner, you can tell. I don't know what the neighborhood is going to be like for them because they are not a traditional family restaurant, and that's really what that neighborhood really likes. You go to any of the any of the restaurants that do any sort of numbers, it's always a lot of families. So I hope that they're embraced in that neighborhood for the premier sushi place or, or just Jap- Japanese cuisine in general. But, you know, um, I don't know. I mean, I kind of, there's a, there's a little itty bitty part of me that wishes that they were in the gallery. You've given me a lot to work with. And so let me just, let me just take a half a step back. I'll come back to the issue of, of whether or not I think it's, or why I think it's a fit for the neighborhood. But yes, I mean, we had, you know, I think it's it's a very thoughtfully created restaurant, not just because Chef Yoshi Chef Yoshi Yoshi San, easy for me to say, 
is so talented and and the geary was beautifully prepared and there was there was some you know there was some fun stuff along the way and they do some they do some traditional stuff like hot rock beef and that fried crab tempura was something i don't think i've ever i don't think mm. i've ever had crab tempura before so there was a lot to like about what we ate but they're also you know chris morris who's been at calba for a while who we know from places like mad and hunky dory put together this unbelievable beverage list all of chris's cocktails are always really first rate but you found a bottle of Sancerre on the wine list that was reasonably priced. You know, when's the last time you had French wine with sushi? I mean, that's just not, that's not the standard pairing. But Chris is a thoughtful guy and he's put together this great wine list. So I think there's a lot to like about all of the, you know, you talked about the design, all of the attention to detail that's going on at this restaurant. And so they have the talent and, and they put together this team. They want to be thought of at the level of places like Kata, and Uchi MMF. And, you know, I'm not ready to crown them based on one meal, yeah. but, but I, I do think everything that we ate was well executed. And I do think it all made sense as a progression and I would go back there again. And so I'm not ready to give it, I'm not ready to say it's the best sushi restaurant in Houston, but it's not, it's not far from being that, or, or it should certainly be in that conversation with any of its competitors. And so that's why I'm at the point where I say, you know, there, there have been, you know, yes, most of what has opened in Bel Air is pretty family friendly. And you think about kind of what's coming, you know, Langford Grocery, Mandito, some of these other things that are, that are coming to Bel Air in the next few months, that's all going to be of a piece with that. Yeah. But I also think about all of my, you know, friends and who live in, Bel Air, who live in Meyerland, who have moved to Westbury, and maybe they don't want to drive all the way to the Galleria for date night. Maybe they they don't want to come into Upper Kirby or downtown or the Heights for dinner. And so I think this is the best restaurant in Bel Air. And, yeah. and so I, I do think that there's a place for that. And now it's up to the people to kind of come out and support it. And it's up to Aya to be consistent enough to you know, kind of figure out who they have to cater to and, and take good yeah. care of people. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we talked a lot about, not, I mean, we, we, we spoke about it for a second, but, you know, our gold standard is Cutter. That's my spot, you know, like, that's where I like to go and that's where I like to take friends, you know, and it's, you know, but we talked about how the beverage program at Aya takes, takes a cake. I mean, takes it. I love Kata for the food, but I would like to see a different wine list. Um, and 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 I just got a great wine list, great sake, and the cocktails are good. So, yeah, I mean, I wanna I wanna go back and and try other things too, you know. Well, and and you know, we didn't we didn't dive into the food too deeply, but we we did the omakase, and so you know, we had. The Chutoro and the Otoro, we had the tuna collar nigiri, the hot rock beef. And then even the desserts were good. The apple, you know, the fried apple pie, the the matcha cake, the sesame cake. And that can be overlooked in a lot, you know, other than Uchi, desserts are kind of an afterthought at, at most Japanese yeah. restaurants, in my experience. Yeah. And these were, you know, we had three desserts and they were all great. So there's a lot to like here. Yeah. No, I mean, we got completely crushed. Just food trash 
Um, I could use other words, but yeah, we just, we got completely crushed. Um, I cannot believe how much food was sent to us. I do not recommend doing 22 courses. It was a wrecking. <laughs> well, I do not, I do not recommend doing 22 courses, not knowing that it's going to be 22 courses. Yeah. There's a 19 course uh, omakase that's $135 and a premium omakase that's 22 courses. It's $225. And so, you know, I would encourage anyone to do either one if that style of dining appeals to them, but come hungry. Yeah. I mean, but the menu, but the menu, I mean, we, we made the mistake of ordering a few things before the tasting, but I mean, 22 courses is a lot, but, uh, but in general, you can order a lot of those items on the menu. So you can put together your, your own experience. And, you know, and the fact that the staff knows the food and they know it well, that sings to me in so much more than, than a fancier chef. You're, you're never, you're never going to be as good as your staff that really, that, that you support and they support you. And so it's great training. I was, really pleasantly surprised at how fantastic everything was absolutely all right uh linda i'm gonna say that does it for the restaurant of the week thank you very much all right thanks so much and i'll be right back with gabe corciani grand i am joined this week by the owner of fat boys pizza a Louisiana-based restaurant that is coming soon to the Houston market. Gabe Corsiani, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate you for letting me speak on the show today. Yeah, thanks for doing this. You know, when I have someone on the show that I, I don't know all that well, I always like to kind of start at the beginning. So tell me a little bit about your background and kind of how you got into the pizza business. Sure. It's a little unique, uh, Eric. I uh, I basically started uh, Fat Boys Pizza about three and a half years ago, uh, originally from Miami, Florida, and came out to uh, New Orleans on a basketball scholarship. And basically, after I graduated, I got into a business out here, and I've been doing that primarily uh, for now about 32 years. I'm in the coin-operated gaming and amusement business, but went ahead about three and a half years ago and went back to Miami Beach, and I used to go down there uh, frequently because I'm from there, and Saw a concept that was working down there and thought it would be pretty neat to bring to uh, Louisiana, to New Orleans. And, and that was really New York style pizza, 30 inch pies, um, you know, and I, I did a lot of research on it and got involved with a, a really good chef that had been making pizza for a long time down there. And um, we just uh, put the whole concept together with the, um, you know, large New York style pies, pizza by the slice. Uh, we have, you know, world's largest pizza, uh, slice. Um, we, you know, make our own dough every morning. We make our own sauce. We go ahead and use what we consider the best cheese around, which is boccia cheese. Um, we did a lot of research and came up with some other different, really nice, uh, features on our menu. We have, you know, really good chicken wings with some nice sauces and, and salads and such. But it was, uh, it was something that I was trying just to do one store here where I live in, in old Metairie, which is outside New Orleans. And, um, we opened it and, um, you know, we had about 2,500 square foot, uh, nice location we opened up with, with a patio on a, you know, nice, nice upper to, to uh, middle, you know, residential area. 
and um, it just took off. We um, we went ahead and, and had to add on to that location, and I had uh, you know a bunch of people wanted to come in and see if I'd be put those in, in other places around the state, and um, I just you know it just went from there. I brought in some really uh, some really neat you know, guys and team put a team together that had been in the restaurant business for a long time, different capacities. And, and we started to grow it. Um, you know, we went, did our second location up in Baton Rouge, right across from Tiger stadium. Uh, it was a big success. Uh, we went in, you know, across the lake to Covington, Louisiana, um, went down to town to the quarter right next to Pat O'Brien's. We opened up a store. Well, we're in Hattiesburg up in Mississippi across from USM uh, and then we went back across Lake to Mandeville as well. And, um, we had some really neat stuff going on. Um, we decided to go out, uh, to the, the Texas market and particularly Houston centered on, on Houston. And we have, you know, our first location that's under construction now will be finished close to the end of the year out in Richmond in the Lana area. Um, real excited about it to bring, you know, our concept out there to, to the Houston market. And we we basically have another location that we just, finished signing the lease on in Katie as well. And we're looking for a few more, but um, it's a, it's a concept, Eric, that is uh, really caters to, you know, all across the spectrum. Um, you know, we, we have a nice game room for kids in there. Uh, we do have a full bar for the adults, which is, you know, liquor, beer, daiquiris, and wine. Um, we have nice patios. We have a really nice um, selection of TVs with, you know, nice packages for sports packages around you know, we played nice contemporary, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s music. Um, it's, it's a neat atmosphere that we've created with, uh, you know, really satisfying different demographics. All right. Well, you, you've given me a lot to work with. So so let's let's kind of break all this down, kind of, you know, let's take it sort of piece by piece, as it were. Start with sure. start with just the, the basic pizza, because, you know, a 30 inch pie. I mean, I'm used to a, a 12 inch pie, a 16 inch pie. How do how do people sort of respond? Like, how did you get to thirty inches? And and yeah, how do you how do you even make a pizza that big? And and how did you know like without it being soggy or underbaked? Like, like, talk to me kind of about the mechanics of pizza. Yeah, it's 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 very unique process because it is so large. And um, you know, we go ahead and and we've got it down to where, you know, we do. Um, you know, we put we put our our dough on screens, and then of course big you know. 30 screens. And then we, we put them in our brick ovens that we have. They're gas operated, but they are brick ovens. Um, you know, we're able to go ahead and put the best ingredients together on our pizza that basically creates what we feel is the best New York style pizza. Um, we, you know, love to talk, you know, people have come down here to New Orleans and the Louisiana area for our locations. And a lot of them being from the New York, New York area. And they say, this is the best pizza I've had anywhere around besides being in New York. So it's a big compliment to us. You know, a lot of people say, you know, and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Boardwalk Pizza or the Boardwalk up there on the East Coast, whether it's in New Jersey or, or up a little further, you know, in the New York area. But um, we, you know, when people see it at first, they they start you know, pulling their camera out to take a picture generally. Um, you know, it, it helps us a lot with social media at times to where, you know, they post and they share. And, and you know, of course, if a, a child has one of the big slices, you know, it's generally bigger than their head and they hold it up and it's it's pretty neat so not only is it is it a is it something to see and something you might not see every day but you know our pizza is extremely good too so you mentioned you have wings like 
you know, yeah. I, I guess part of it for me is that, you know, there's so many places to get a pizza. Do you stand out just with, with how big the pizzas are? Or is there, is there something else about them that also makes them stand out? Yes. Well, again, like I was talking about the ingredients, we, we don't you know, hold back on anything as far as like costs go with our pies. You know, we use the best flour, which is Trump flour, all Trump's flour. We use, you know, the best yeast. We use our best. We, we make our own tomato sauce. We use Bellarosa tomatoes out of California to make our own tomato sauce. We go ahead and use, like I said, bocce cheese, which is, you know, between bocce and grande, the, the two top cheeses that you can buy on the market uh, as far as mozzarella cheese goes. Our toppings come from this old Italian family in Chicago. Uh, that's our ground meat, our Italian sausage, our pepperonis, of course, our Hormel. Um, you know, the chicken wings, our chicken wings are grade A. They're, you know, I'll put them up against anybody's chicken wings as far as the meat that's on the bone. Um, we, we again, have very good sauces, of course, that our chicken wings are sauced in. Um, you know, we have very good salads. Uh, we have mozzarella logs that are very large. You know, our, our, our motto and our thing with, with, you know, Fat Boys Pizza is, you know, size matters. Um, we also have another one called more to love. We seem to think that, you know, our pizza restaurants and, you know, nothing in, you know, speaking about anybody else or anybody else's pizza restaurant, but we feel that we have more to love with fat boys pizza. Um, you know, whether it's the bar, whether it's the game room, whether it's, you know, the TVs for the sporting events, whether it's, you know, the size of the pies that we have our patio space, you know, we seem to think that we have more to love than, than just a normal pizza, uh, restaurant. And then you mentioned you were you were in the coin operated gaming business for a long time. I mean, are we talking pinball? Are we talking arcade games? Are we talking the the claw yeah. thing with the prizes? Like, how do you, how do you spec that thing out? Yeah. So so basically, in Louisiana, uh, I've been in the the um, the basically video gaming business. Well, we're legally allowed to have video poker machines in bars and restaurants. I started in that back in 92, but we also had a, and still have a company that's an amusement company that does the such like you were just talking about, you know, video games, pinball machines, claw games, redemption games, things of that sort. So I'm still in that business. And, um, you know, that's what we do. We, we have game rooms now that we've got it to science to where we, you know, not only everybody wants to hear some of that noise and, and the kids running around to where we put it in a, in a room that's got a storefront, a glass storefront across it, where you can see your kids playing in there and having a good time, but not necessarily hearing everything. No, that <laughs> as someone who who doesn't have yeah. children but but might want to eat at your restaurant, that I appreciate that. Yeah, well, that's that came the first restaurant. Of course, we didn't have the luxury of doing that, and the games are sort of you know against the wall in the back of of the room. But we since then have done that, and we have a lot of compliments we get from people like yourself. So it's, it's, good. it's good. As you said, you've had, you've had quite a bit of success in kind of the extended New Orleans area. You're making this push to Houston. I know you've put a team together. Who have you brought along with you on this ride? I, I know you have a new business partner who's part of this. Sure. So, so who's, how have you kind of assembled this team for the, for the Houston side of this? Yeah. So what we did in, in Louisiana, Mississippi, prior to going to Texas, I did, you know, I have a, a vice president of finance. I do have a a vice president of operations and, and I have a marketing strategist and we have a special event coordinator and I have a, you know, public relation guy. I, we have a whole team we've assembled here. We also have a big training team that's in place that goes out to the stores we open and, and gets them off the ground and trains them properly. But I did pick up a, a partner 
and an investor and partner in the Texas market for this we, you know, conversation, the Houston market. Uh, his name is Shane Guidry, as well as his partner, Steve Orlando. Shane's a very prominent businessman in the oil and gas industry, as well as Steve. And, and he saw the concept here in Louisiana. He has a home in Metairie and came to me and approached me and said, I'd love you to go to Houston. I have a house over there. And, you know, this would do fabulous. And so he got in with, with me and, and we sought out, you know, some very, uh, we, we think, A-plus locations in that Houston area. And then we went ahead and brought on board a director of operations out there, George Malek. And George has been in the uh, restaurant um, industry for a number of years, probably about 30 years, uh, ran a number of Fleming's restaurants and, and just just been in the whole spectrum of restaurants. And we were able to show him what we were doing with this concept, Shane and I, and we were able to bring him on board. And he's been with us now for about seven months uh, in Louisiana. He's been over here, you know, a lot training and learning our concept and putting together things for the Houston market. And uh, we're excited to have him on board. We've also hired our direct, our um, operating partner for that store, our AGM we've hired for over there prize of hiring the rest of our uh, management team shortly but uh we're real excited about that first that first store in houston yeah when i i googled uh shane gidry do you know what comes up are you are you familiar with him i'm sure i know i know you i know you're very familiar with him i'm very familiar with him i don't know what comes up as soon as you google there are a bunch of stuff it's, that it's, come it up. says yeah. that he sold it says that he uh put the market on uh, the most expensive house in louisiana yeah well that doesn't you know I know where that is. It's around, you know, or in my neighborhood, but, uh, you know, he's, he's a great guy. He's down to earth. If he walked in, he'll be out there for the opening and, and at the beginning of, of Houston. And he's a super guy. He's, um, you'd never know, uh, what he really has or what he does, uh, you know, just meeting him. He's just down to earth. And, uh, you know, he, he saw what we were doing and, and, and loved the concept and the brand and, and uh, we plan on doing a, you know, a good bit of storage, probably about five or six in the Houston market, and then maybe moving into Dallas or, or you know, or down in San Antonio. So we plan on, on putting a bunch of stores out there. So you're building Richmond. You said you just signed Katie. What other neighborhoods in Houston do you have your eye on? Uh, Bel Air, we're close on as well net right now, too. A nice development over there. Um, we also are looking at Woodlands. We also have a, a spot we're looking at over in, in the Heights. Um, and possibly down one in, in Webster. So um, we we have our eye out, and it's got to be you know our locations that we look for um, have to be you know we we do a lot better in average to upper income residential areas, high traffic. Uh, we we really prefer the the option to have a patio. We love patio outdoor space. Um, that Richmond site uh, is a great location, and we actually have a patio space that's covered, but it goes right outside to a green space that's very unique um, that I think would be really neat for that area uh, where we can go ahead and do some different things as far as having some events out there, some small little bands and, and things like that. Um, you know, it's it's dog friendly, you know, pet friendly. Um, so we're excited. Uh, you know, in, in Louisiana and Mississippi, um, you know, we do extremely well and and we have, you know, the population is not you know, nearly what the population really is out there in those markets. And, uh, you know, that really was easy decision for us to go out there, especially, you know, hooking up with George Malek and, um, and the team that he has out there, uh, the, the volume of people out there and restaurants are just, you know, it's crazy. We're looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I mean, so many, you know, so many pizzerias, you know, especially in the last couple of years, have become really like to go oriented because it, it travels well. Obviously, you have the arcade games, but but maybe go into a little more detail about kind of how you how you create a dine-in experience and and how you encourage people to stick around. Yeah, so so we've been very fortunate, Eric, um, where we do an extremely good job bringing in the right uh, partners for management. We have an operating partner we bring in, we bring in AGM, and then we have two other assistant managers. Uh, so we come in with a four four you know member team. Um, we start our, our employees off, uh, at very good pay. Um, all the, our whole, our whole employee staff, as far as, uh, cooks, you know, front of the house, back of the house, um, bartenders, they all, we all, they tip share. So we do a pool tip share. It's worked extremely well for us. Um, everybody works together and, and, and works as a team. Um, we've had us, uh, you know, and, and I could say, you know, my hat goes off to the operating partners and the whole team, but, you know, we've done an extremely good job of through all of COVID as well as even this, these tough times with labor, you know, we've never had to close a day because of labor or anything, you know, we're open. I, I want to say we're open 362 days a year or off for Christmas or off for Thanksgiving. Uh, maybe I'm missing one, but you know, we, we, we treat our employees and our, our whole team very well. Uh, we treat them like family. Um, it goes a long way. And in this, especially at this time and the atmosphere we have right now, as far as this, you know, with the labor, um, you know, force out there right now, it's important. And, um, and we've done a good job. We, we, we're very service oriented. Um, you know, we greet the guests when they come in the door, even though we are fast casual, you know, we, we greet the guests. Um, you know, they do, you go to a menu board, you order from a menu board, you know, you receive a number, you go sit at the table, we bring the food out to you. Uh, you know, we make sure that you get touched at least once out there that to see how everything's going, if you need anything else. And, and, you know, we're friendly. That's, that's what we, we bank on, you know, service. And a lot of, a lot of restaurants now have trouble even putting their staff together, let alone try to provide the service. And, and we're able to do that. I think that's what sets us apart a little bit from some of these other restaurants, but we've had great success with that and being able to keep our, uh, you know, our team in place. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing that's, that's exciting, at least from my perspective is you it's like you take your cocktails pretty seriously. We do. And, um, you know, we, we do have a bar and it's not a large bar, but it's a bar, a nice sitting bar at every one of our stores, you know, a little separated with a half wall from the dining room. Um, you know, we, we do have, you know, beer, of course, on tap, we have liquor and we do have wine and then we do have, um, very neat daiquiris. Um, you know, we have our own, uh, Costa brand that we've come up with, with all our stores, which has our own mix. Um, we use, um, which is a little different from some of these other daiquiris, you know, a lot of them are sugar, all based sugar. And we, we basically use uh, real fruit. Um, we have fruit puree that we, you know, have in all our different drinks, whether it's, you know, lemon, orange, strawberry, um, it's, it's real fruit. So you can taste the difference and it's not all, I'm not saying it's sugar free, but it's it's a whole lot less sugar uh, than some of those other daiquiris that are out there. Well, and I suppose the gallon size—that's only for to go, right? People don't people don't come in and, yes. and order. Yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I mean you you really have to have a big problem on your hands to come in there and uh, and down a whole gallon of daiquiri. But um, no, the gallon daiquiris are to go. Uh, we have two sizes, you know, generally, 
you know, our 20 ounce and our 32 ounce that, uh, you know, can be consumed in the, in the stores. Yeah. I mean, 32 ounces is still a lot of daiquiri for, for one person. You're, 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 you bet. Yeah. You need to, you know, have another driver if you're doing that, believe me. So. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So how is the, the Richmond location coming? When do you, when do you expect to open? Yeah, Eric, uh, we're anticipating right now, um, looks like mid-December. Um, if for some reason we have any, uh, you know, delay in that, you know, we would wait till right after the first of the year not to open, you know, over Christmas or the holidays. But uh, we're anticipating a, a, a mid-December opening for that store. And then just tell me a little bit about the dining experience. Like, what do you... You know, for anyone who who walks into Fat Boys for the first time, like, sure. I mean, obviously you're getting a pizza, but but kind of, do you have a favorite? What else do you What else do you recommend? How does that How does that go? Yeah. So so again, it just depends on what you know that customer prefers. You know, we have we have eight you know eight pizzas on our menu that you can either have get by the slice, get by in a 16 inch pie. Or of course, going at the 30-inch pie. We do have a 10-inch gluten-free cauliflower crust pizza that is more of like a personal pizza that is a favorite for a lot of the ladies or you know some people on maybe some diets um, that that is extremely good. And you can put whatever you'd like to on that as far as toppings. You know, we have, like I said, very good salads. The chicken wings are great. We do have meatballs. We have meatball sliders. Uh, we have you know, waffle fries. We have the mozzarella logs. We do have a fabulous large soft pretzel. And, um, that's when I'm off of my diet. That's my go-to. I love that thing. Soft pretzel is really good. Um, you know, we have, we have soft serve, uh, ice cream. So after for dessert, we do have soft serve ice cream in the cup or the cone. Um, and again, we have our, you know, full bar menu. Uh, you know, something I forgot to tell you, and, and this is something again, that we do and it's up in every one of our stores we have what's called the two foot challenge eric and i don't know if you've heard of that before with us but we have um a contest in each store that you can come in you have to go order uh either a cheese or pepperoni two foot slice of pizza we make it custom come out we place it on the table we have a clock on a board that's already placed up in you know on a wall at every location and you have seven minutes in which time to eat that two-foot slice of pizza, have it all in your mouth and eat it. If you do, then you get a shirt that says, I conquered the two-foot challenge, and you get a $75 gift card. Now, if, you're one of, if you really think you're good and you're a great eater, if you can eat it in less than 39 seconds, which is Joey Chestnut's record, you get a $10,000 cash prize awarded right, right then. Um, <laughs> I, and, doubt, and, I doubt you've had to pay that out. Yes, I haven't paid that out yet. No, but but I'm gonna tell you what. Joey Chestnut's a good friend of mine. He's we we've had two world eating championships for Fat Boys Pizza. We're planning another one for this um, in, in this basically winter. We, we're gonna plan on doing it. Um, and we have the world eaters come in, and uh, and it's how many two foot slices of pizza they can eat in ten minutes. And Joey holds the record in that too for six and a half of those two foot slices in 10 minutes. So when you see the size of the two foot slice, you're sort of, you know, trying to gather yourself to figure out how he does it. But it's 39 seconds he ate one of those in. So it's really not a bunch of chewing and uses teeth. He pretty much swallows it. But uh, it's, it's very, 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 very some, some think it's very uh, disgusting, but it's something to see. 
Um, but we do have that. We have a board. We have a board in every, uh, you know, restaurant, Eric, that um, it's our leaderboard for that restaurant. It's the top 10. So if you beat the seven minutes, even if you do it in 658, or as long as you beat it, you get on our board, your name and your time. And, you know, someone else can, of course, beat you and move into that position. But it's something unique. All of our, you know, all of our stores have, of course, all 10 filled. And, you know, everybody's usually jockeying to try to go ahead and move up the board. So it's some competitiveness there. So it's neat. You know, it, it occurs to me that, you know, more than the, like, part of, part of it's the volume, right? Like, obviously, that's it's a lot to eat. Uh, but also temperature, right? If it comes out of the oven piping hot. Yeah. You, you oh. could be in real trouble. That could really slow you down. You're in real trouble. You're almost at a stop. Because let me tell you what, what we do now, and we've learned from this, and we do a little, it's a little skit we put on, and we, we bring our microphone out, and we announce it, and it's a big deal. Everybody cheers that person on that's trying to compete for it. It's, it's neat. But what, what we do is we make sure when it comes out, and we put it on the table, the two-foot slice on the big pan, that we tell them to let it cool, and they need to feel the middle of the pizza because at the beginning, when we first started this thing, we'd bring it out there and they'd be all like pumped up to do this thing. They would like literally tear the top of their roof of their mouth, you know, just wide open and blister it because it was so hot once they got to the middle of that thing. So we've learned now to go ahead and have them let that thing cool down before they start on it. It's pretty, pretty neat. Okay. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's not, you don't have to, you don't have to dive in as soon as it, it hits the no, table. You can no. sort of when, collect when yourself. You're ready. When you, whenever you're ready. Yep. Whenever you're ready. Yep. Do you know offhand, like what's the fastest non-Joey chestnut time? Oh yeah. So, so now I don't know if you, you know, Eric, but there's, there's all the world eaters and people that do eating, you know, challenges sure. and stuff. You'd be right. surprised about the people that really do this eating seriously. But, you know, we've had someone do it in, in a minute and a half and somebody did it in two and a half minutes. You know, this depends on who comes to your store, but, you know, generally it's pretty funny. The gigantic, you know, six foot six guy that's weighing 340 pounds that comes in, you know, not necessarily can finish that slice. And I've had the smallest guy sometimes come in. I had a, a guy when we first started this come in, that was like five, five foot eight and probably weighed about 150 pounds. And he, he, he finished it in like three and a half minutes. And, and it, it just, you just don't never know. You don't, it's, it's, it's something to, something to right. watch. Right. It, it occurs to me that it's a little bit like solving a Rubik's cube, right? If you know the technique, yeah. then you could probably <laughs> figure it out, right? If you, if you know how to eat something really fast, you're, you, you can, you can get it done. If you, if you haven't practiced, you're, you're probably not going to make it. You're in trouble because the first half of it will go down good, you know, just cause you're a big person or eating and, and it's really, the technique, like you say, to go ahead and be able to get the whole thing down. And once you get to that crust, everybody battles it. So it's, uh, it's something we'll, we'll do, we'll be doing a bunch of those out there when we get open. Yeah. I, I, I don't personally necessarily want to try it, but I, I do. I think you're right. I think it's something to see. I, I do want to watch someone else. try. Yeah. yeah. If you go, if you go to our, our website, um, it's on our website. You can see Joey Chestnut um, eating it as well. So <laughs> All right. Well, Gabe, I have to say that that does bring me to the end of my questions. Is there anything about Fat Boys Pizza that I haven't asked you about that you would like to discuss? No, you know, I want I want everybody to know, too, that's listening is, you know, Fat Boys Pizza is not just this pizza restaurant. And we you know, do the two foot challenge and people come in and play games. We get very involved with the community. 
So we'll be reaching out. We already started to the schools in the area, to the churches, to the parks, to the you know hospitals, and we get involved. We do a lot of donations. We do sponsorships. We we like to say that we get interwoven into the fabric of the community, and that's really what we stand for. Um, that's where our customer base is. You know, we we like to to be part of it. Um, you know, down here in Louisiana, when COVID was here, we gave out over 5,000 of the 30-inch pies to the hospitals and first responders. So we got that reciprocation. You know, over the years, you know, we were on the news all the time down here, and we were, you know, we we did right by them and for the community, and then the community comes back and supports you. So it's a full circle. It's It's a beautiful thing. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round five easy questions five short answers just say the first thing that comes to mind gabe corsiani question one what is your favorite pizza topping pepperoni what is the first band you ever saw in concert um i saw uh sticks what is your fast food guilty pleasure it has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru uh burger hamburger cheeseburger who is your favorite professional athlete, past or present? I'd have to say uh, Drew Brees. And then finally, uh, I know you've been you've been to Houston quite a bit. Like, what is what is the best restaurant you've tried in Houston so far? Um, I'd have to say um, Papacitos. Gabe, give us the the website and the social media for Fat Boys Pizza. Yes. It's eatfatboyspizza.com. Thanks so much for doing this. Listen, Eric, I appreciate it as well. And uh, I'd love to, you know, once we get open out there for the grand opening, I'm sure that we'll be reaching out to you too to come out and give it a try. Yeah, I can't wait to, I can't wait to try it. Get the two foot challenge. Just, you have to just make sure you don't eat for about a half a day or so. Right? <laughs> I'll, I'll come prepared. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. As always, I appreciate your reviews, but like Katie Nolan used to say, only if they're five stars and only if they're nice. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.